With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode of 12 Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12, 12 Pack Radio, and every member of your family, and the best business phone service is chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over Pac-12 countries stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more, unless you're Colorado. You get no Nextiva, Colorado. No Nextiva. Offer a fraction of what you would get for those services separately. Make great calls every day. Visit nextiva.com slash 12-pack to get started. Nextiva.com slash 12-pack to get started. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world-famous full-time champs and feel the It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model. And this is a is a, is a um, this is, this is going to be an energized podcast, an energized podcast, many thoughts. We're a sharp college football podcast, by the way, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Rob Barron. What's going on, Rob? Uh, not much. I'm excited. <clears throat> Beta rank rolled last week against Vegas straight up. Holy, picked. holy Moses. Was it six and two on the dogs straight up? Uh, it, yeah, it would. Uh, and then on the later lines, it went eight of nine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, um, um, I benefited from beta rank. I've been doing the double digit spreads and they just are killing it right now. Um, I will have thoughts about that because, uh, my pack 12 picks, <laughs> Which did okay, but holy Moses, I went like I was like seven and two going into the evening nights, going yeah, all right, I'm feeling well, and then um, and then Colorado did Colorado things. Um, let's let's just start right. You can follow us on Twitter at Twelve Pack Radio, et cetera, et cetera. But um, nobody cares right now because Jimmy Lake got fired. Rob, Jimmy Lake out <laughs> as the head coach at Washington. <laughs> I mean, after only <clears throat> two years, right? And. Uh, it's just, I mean, and like the, the, the word coming out, I mean, like the stuff leaking out of the program, you know, out into the media was that people didn't like working there. He didn't like, there wasn't like, there wasn't a great focus on recruiting. And frankly, like they've, they've definitely taken some recruiting losses in the Lake era. Um, but just to be at a point where it's gone so far South, um, that you're fired after, after two years. And it's not, I mean, I do feel like Washington is not a place that generally has like a knee jerk reaction. Um, but he definitely had offended a lot of the fan base. Um, and frankly, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, we talked about ad nauseum like that, not only the John Donovan hire, but, um, Lake's real inability, I think to take real like ownership of his mistakes. Yeah, it was like when it happened. Uh, so Wilner tweeted something out about it, and I generally, with Wilner, I, I, a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, 
But I thought, you know, he does he does have sources and whatnot. And so I kind of thought, oh, you know, maybe. And then when it happened, I thought, man, that's just two years. And one of them was a COVID year. And I know he made a ton of mistakes. But, you know, two years after somebody that really built your secondary up. And then, yeah. and then the more I thought about it, you didn't see a lot of players come to his defense uh, when he got suspended. You didn't see a lot of players come to his defense when he was fired. And uh, it, it just seemed like, to your point, the stuff started coming out that was perhaps, that just kind of showed a little bit more light to, it wasn't just the fact that they lost to Montana and they couldn't move right. the ball. It seemed like it was more, I think there was a story about another incident in the locker room with a shove and stuff. So I, I just seemed like, and I, I almost, like, I don't want to say credit to Washington for doing this because it was only two years and they're going to pay $10 million uh, for him not to coach. Um, But it did look like if you were another PAC 12 fan and you're looking at Washington and you're looking at Jimmy Lake, you're kind of maybe hoping that he'd stay there. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like a Clay Hilton type of thing. (laughs) Like like somebody comments about like somebody, you know, somebody like somebody seat warming up and do you have all of these PAC 12 fans from other schools coming on and saying, no, 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 please keep them on. I th- the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause about it, out outside of the stuff I don't know about inside the locker room, right? I mean that that's some stuff that will probably come out on some message boards and all that. But from just a purely X's and O's standpoint, the only thing that gives me pause is if he legitimately looked back and said, "You know what? That was a stupid decision on offense." Let's get in somebody that can really move the ball. And now you have a Washington offense that, you know, in theory could move the ball better and you have i mean which will continue to be one of the best secondaries in the country um i think wherever he goes like i i really do think he's a he's a great developer of talent um in the secondary and you know yes you could run the ball against washington but some of that was a little bit nitpicky given everything else right it was more yeah you can run the ball on him which was a problem um but the secondary was awesome and I don't know. I just thought there could have been changes that he could have made to fill in the deficiencies that we saw and uh, he won't have the chance to do it. I mean, it's sort of telling, right. That he didn't get like the Scott Frost chance to like take a mulligan. Right. Yeah. Like, and it's not as if Washington, like Washington made Jimmy Lake the head coach in waiting. They gave him a chance to be the defensive coordinator, even though Kwiatkowski was still there, you know, like <clears throat> they, they bent over backwards for him. Um, and he did, I mean, like the, the, the Donovan hire is of course, like the glaring major, major public mistake. Right. But he's got a, I mean, he's got some really big recruiting misses as well along the way, losing out to, you know, like local kids choosing to go to Ohio state instead of, you know, stay home. Um, but I also think like just the fact that he like, that tells you a lot about the internal culture there that he wasn't given the chance to like retool the staff. Cause normally after two years, I mean, unless it's just bombing on both sides of the ball, you know, like you're, you're going to be, you're going to have a shot to like redo it, you know, and at least redo the part of your roster that's not working. I don't know. I mean, like we talked about like Cal seems to have like at least finally figured out like somebody that's serviceable in the middle after years of just having leaky a and B gap defense. I'm interested to see with Washington though, because like, and, and also like what kind of hire they make, what do they do with this defense, which has been really the hallmark 
of the program, um, you know, like that, like it's not, uh, and we'll get into this as the season winds down rather than speculating for hours on it here. But like the, the, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of schools that might be, I mean, like Miami just fired their athletic director, um, you know, and there's, there's, you know, rumors that that job could come open. Florida could come open, you know, Washington, it's like, there's, it's going to be thin. There's going to be some thin resumes out there getting interviewed for some big jobs. Yeah. And that also speaks to some stuff we probably don't know about because yeah, Washington's going to be like the sixth best job open. Um, and it's an intriguing job, uh, but is, you know, is it better? I'm just taking a look at some of the other schools around there. I guess that they lucked out because Nebraska didn't fire Frost, and there, there's a couple other, you know, yeah. teams that kind of are are I on think the it's edge. Modern day, it's a better job than Nebraska, right? Like, and you oh, can yeah. debate, yeah. you know, whether. I mean, they're like, you might be able to debate whether it's a better job than Miami. There's certainly probably less pressure from f- dealing with like a ton of former NFL players who want the great, you know, the really good old days. Yeah. Oh, and, and that don't, <laughs> but I was listening to the cover three podcast. They were talking about this and basically they were saying like a lot of people that talk and none of them give money to the program. <laughs> like how right. obnoxious right. is that? <laughs> That's funny. But the, uh, but that said, like, like Miami is on a much more fertile recruiting ground. Right. And they're also in a bad, I mean, not that like, I mean, they're a really bad ACC, you know, like you get it going, like it, you could, you could just roll up wins really easily, pretty quickly at Miami. Um, you know, Florida, 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 LSU and USC are going to be the top jobs, yeah. right? Like those are, those are all jobs in any given year are going to be considered, you know, like among the top jobs out there. Um, you know, you're, if you're a Washington fan, you're really hoping both Florida and Miami don't come open. I mean, it's true that to some extent, right? Like, you know, you may not you know, a guy that may, you know, why be on Washington's radar, you know, like he may, he may not be a West coast type guy. Washington may be able, may be able to like swing and get somebody, um, you know, if they're not, if they're not tempted by, <laughs> Oh, I could just, I can go to Florida and I already have all the recruiting contract contacts, right. Because I've been coaching, you know, like already down in the South or something like that. It's just, it'll be tough. Like I think, and I think is, is people point out, you know, people often choose to go a different route than what they just went with, you know, like it's sort of like, you don't, you don't like, you don't always like people often go out and date somebody very different than their ex. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Mike Leach, come on down. (laughs) Right. Like it might very much be that they look for somebody with head coaching experience, but like the names that are getting tossed around, do you have some print? I mean, some really like, I mean, Kalen DeBoer has been at Fresno state for just two years. You know, Jay Norvell's only had it going at Nevada for a short time. It's just, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Plus, I mean, not only that, but like Jay Nor- I mean, I would just die laughing. Cause like Jay Norvell's going to bring Matt mummy with them. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you should hear that last name mummy, right? Like inventor of the air raid. Like that is, uh, like you, you're gonna you you're gonna get you could get the Washington fans could get the full air raid experience if they went with Norvell. Well, they're, they're gonna get crushed in their practices, right? Because the secondary's been down that they've known oh, yeah. exactly what to do. You know, that would be that would be just a real twist of fate if that ends up being the coach. Um, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Like you mentioned, Rob, you know, speculating about candidates right now. Let's kind of let the dust settle a little bit. 
but certainly the biggest piece of news to come out of the Pac-12. Uh, anything else you want to, well, I guess we, like, general impressions here of the first, gosh, was it week 11? I, I think on the podcast, I labeled it as week 12 and Hithleday's like, uh, nope, nope, you can't count. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the math is no good. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I was. Uh, I was. Uh, we're in the future. We're we're doing that well right now. Uh, but any general impressions from week eleven? You know, what stood out for you? I thought. I thought what really stood out to me this week. Well, I mean, and first off is like, congrats to Oregon State, like getting to bowl eligibility, getting to take that off the list. You know, they really took care of business against. Stanford, uh, you know, and they're unfortunately revolving door of quarterbacks. Um, you know, like I, I thought, I thought that was a, that, that was a really good milestone for a program that we've watched, you know, be on the cusp and has been building towards that. Um, I thought it was impressive. I thought it was really impressive the way Arizona state came back against Washington. Oh yeah. Um, that they didn't, they didn't lay down and quit. They, they put up 21 in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I thought they did. I thought that was a really, really impressive game. Cause honestly, like in, you know, we like they're, they're still chasing Utah, of course, for the PAC 12, you know, the, the PAC 12 South title, but you know, there's, there's a, I mean, and as we get closer to the end of the season, I, I mean, you just, you do, you do know there's stuff still hanging over that program from the NCAA um, the fact that they were able to come into, I mean, what is a tough place to play and was a motivated Washington team. Um, and they were able to, to come up there and get the win and show some grit. I thought was really impressive. 21 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, <laughs> that's insane. Um, oh, and now, now to be fair, um, you know, was it good teams win, great teams cover? The last seven was a pick six, and like the last, and I almost, I almost. No, there were out. two bad covers. There were two bad beats in that game. That Washington, <laughs> those Washington points were crap too. I loved it. I loved every second <laughs> like, of it. It was such like honestly, like Baderink had a pretty good week, so it's like hard to complain. But like last week, I swear to God, like I went to bed thinking Boise had covered against Wyoming and Wyoming has like no passing offense. And with like 14 seconds left, it's a totally meaningless 90, like 78 yard bomb. Right. Like you're just like, what the actual F, you know, like this, this was quite the week for like bad beats. Oh, it was crazy. And I I'm like in the midst of, so the best call I've made so far was Washington was playing Oregon state and Dylan Morris threw a pick six, and I immediately tweeted, don't worry, Ch- like Nolan's coming soon. And then the next play, he literally throws a pick. I was like mid-tweet about Dylan Morris. I'm like, oh, Dylan Morris, you know, uh, two-minute drill. I'm sure this is going to end well. But then I stopped because I watched the Stanford-Washington game. I'm like, he actually did it. Maybe yeah, I'll give him a chance. And then literally the next play, he throws a pick six for ASU to cover. Uh, I, that, that was crazy. You know, that... That and the Washington State game, like you mentioned, Rob, were some crazy um, swings uh, from the spread. The thing that really stood out for me, just from a theme, was the um, kind of the lack of fight from the from three of the four schools that had large spreads. Right, so Stanford gets a little bit of a pass because uh, I think it was Patu or Patu. Um, you know, we talked on this podcast about like, hey, if it's if it's Jack West, we're taking the we're uh, giving the points. If it's McKee, 
we're giving uh, we're giving the points, and then it's the third quarterback, and I'm like, I this one doesn't even count. Like, I, I just I'm out. I'm out. Like, I'm, there's I didn't bet on this game, and I was going to if it was West, and then I saw the news, and I'm like, there's I I don't I don't know what I'm getting into here, but I think with with Colorado to come out, and I'll talk more about this when we get in get into the games, but um, you know, for Colorado to come out and be up by ten, and they should have been up by seventeen or maybe even more than that. They had a couple field goals and stall drives. And then, you know, we just talked about the 21-point quarter from ASU. To go out and lose 34 to nothing in the second half, like what in the actual F happened to that team in the locker room? And I took it personally because I had uh, 16 and a half points, and then I took them again at 18 because <laughs> I'm like, you know, they, they, they can do basically what they did right. in the first half. Like that, that was kind of what I right. thought this game was going to be. And they just folded. I haven't seen a collapse like that in a really long time. They're given, they're given away points left and right. Um, they just, the offense had no fight in them whatsoever at the end. It was super bizarre. And then when you lump that with Washington state and clear Washington state didn't fold like Colorado did, they just didn't play. Um, well, I actually, I think it's more Oregon, like was able just to take care of business. Cause that, I think everybody and their mother was like 14 points. That's a lot to trust an Oregon team against the Washington state team. That, that is pretty good. And by the way, Oregon has Utah up, up next. So the fact that yeah. Oregon was able to take care of business was, was great, but also is more, some of the teams that we thought might have a little bit more fight in them. I mean, they are what they are. I think they're, they're better yeah. than a lot of people gave them credit for a few weeks ago, but they're still not. You know, I just don't think Colorado is going to come up and pop somebody. And Washington State, you know, they, they should have lost that game by 21. And um, I don't know. I mean, like they, I would say this for Wazoo, though. I mean, they they had they literally had a touchdown taken away on that fumble. Oh, I right? know like, that that loss that like, rule is trash. I mean, they, <laughs> like they didn't. I mean, I, I thought Washington State played reasonably well-ish. It was a bad matchup. For, I mean, because we talked about this, you know, a couple times on the pod. The Washington de- State defense is improved, but it is mostly the pass rush and secondary that's a lot better. Yeah. The run defense really struggles, and that makes it sort of a bad matchup for Oregon. Oregon ran for 106, or 306. That was pretty impressive. Uh, and I thought Delora, I thought Delora hung in there and had a, pr- I mean, other than, I mean, he did have two picks, but had a pretty decent day against you know, like where he was having to throw to, to keep him in it. I don't know. I mean, really, look, if you look, it's, it's like the, the third quarter really killed them. I mean, they just had a, a brutal third quarter. Oh, it was awful. But uh, you know, all the Oregon fans are probably yelling at the radio right now because Anthony Brown was like six feet in the end zone when they stripped that ball from him. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, that's true. So there's the yin and the yang in that game where um, I thought the gambling gods were, were um, back on my side when that happened. And I was never more thankful for um, budget cuts at ESPN. So they didn't have a better <laughs> angle. It was awesome. I'm like, hell yeah, that's the only angle. Let's do this. Let's go. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I think you know, the teams that were stronger, continued to rise to the top. Uh, Utah scored 38 points. Now they gave up 29 to Arizona, but um, we'll get into that game. And actually let, let's preview week 12 and let's take a review of week 11 and let's do it right after this. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. William Shatner? You want it? Actual gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Baby. Just bust a move. Okay. All right, we're back. Gosh, a lot to talk about. Fired up for this week. This was, I watched almost every one of these games in their entirety. Uh, multiple screens. I did joke that I had the Colorado second half. Um, I just turned it off and, and just put a clown riding a bicycle on a loop because that game was <laughs> freaking bonkers. <laughs> I was so mad about it. But uh, we have a lot of games coming up here in week uh, uh, 12. We're actually in week 12 now, Rob. Where do you want to start? Let's start at, let's start at Cal Stanford, the big game. Is it, though? I mean... I mean <laughs> There, there is a game. I mean, Cal still technically could reach bowl eligibility. That would be awesome. That'd be awesome. Cal. And Stanford, of course, could ruin that. Oh, they might. <laughs> Let's get into that here. Depends on who the quarterback is. Um, Stanford is a five-point underdog at home against Cal. And, of course, Stanford ended up playing Oregon State. That game, you know, I'll be frank. This was on, like, the third screen for me. I did have it on. Um, and I was watching it, but I, I was watching some of the other games that were going on at the time. I mean, Oregon State just took care of business against Stanford, and, and we'll talk about their performance. Did anything about Stanford stand out? I mean, I thought it'd be able to to finally put some points up on the board in the second half was fine. But, you know, it was 14-0 at half, and I'm like, well, this one's done. Like, I just thought that there was yeah. no chance that Stanford <clears throat> was going to come back and win. No, I mean, it was it was <laughs> – just brutal, right? I mean, the Beavs ran for 218. Um, and really, I mean, it, it felt like both teams were more than happy just to kill a lot of clock in this game too, you know, and, and, but the Beavs, what, what was interesting, I think too, is they, they threw for 257. So Nolan had a decent game throwing the football around. Certainly Stanford was having to, to deal, you know, with the Oregon state run game. <laughs> and so got caught out a couple times by, by the beeves. But I mean, I just, I feel like this Stanford team, I mean, the only thing that's been holding them up the last couple of years has been the offense. Um, if they don't really have a serviceable QB, then this team's dead in the water. No, it's a disaster. And their season win total is four and they hit three when they beat, uh, when they beat Oregon and just have been a total train wreck uh, for the, the remainder of the year. I mean, Tanner McKee is the most important player on this team. And as long as he is uh, questionable, even if he's playing at 60%, I think that's, I mean, it's, it's bad. And, and Cal, like we got, we talked about this when, when in the last couple of weeks they lost, you know, they were one in five, 
but they but you watch those games and you're looking at it and you're going like they're still fighting they they still are they they haven't given up on the season they haven't given up on the coach and uh, I mean I'm not like that big of a Cal fan this this year but I mean are they five points better than Stanford in a rivalry game on the road I mean this should be a pretty I mean in a lot of ways this should be a really tight game you know I mean what have we got it at at Beta Rank like this is got to keep scrolling down while you're doing that Cal <laughs> Cal coming off a bye by the way so they didn't have a game yeah. last week so you know that And they should have yeah all, and all of their you know uh their covid issues should be cleared up you know in order for this game you know for this game I do like I think one of the the big difference here is that Cal's Cal's defense is pretty good they're at 19 in beta rank <clears throat> You can drive on them. They're at 53 in drive efficiency, but they do a really good job of containing big plays. Number 21 overall in explosive drives. We actually had a listener question about this. Um, their defense has been, I have to admit, pretty good under Sermon. Like I thought it was going to be bad. I was wrong. <laughs> I, I want to see another year of it. I want to see it maintained um, just because he was, he was pretty bad at Louisville and, and Mississippi state, but um, it's certainly been better than my, I was expecting. Um, and they don't have a big run pass split coming in here. I mean, like if you're going to, you know, sort of like have faith in a unit, batering has got this at seven points for Cal is even if their, their offense is horrible, 88 and beta rank. Oh my gosh. Um, Stanford's defense is at 95. Like I, I, Cal's Cal's probably going to have some pretty favorable field position from their defense. And even their offense is, is going to be able to score points against Stanford. Well, here's, here's the big question is how many of those Cal players actually got COVID? And it seems like it was, I mean, there, there was some grumbling in the beginning. Oh, Cal, you know, Cal's coaching staff and the players are furious, but it seems like there was actually, there, there, there was some there there. And as somebody that's had COVID and has had to recover from COVID, now I am not a football player, so you know I'm not like a physique, uh, you know, like the the epitome of a gladiator. But man, it took me like a week and a half after all of the symptoms happened to feel normal again. And when we take a look at some of those basketball games uh, last year, and just how long it took teams to kind of get back off the schneid. That that's the one thing that gives me pause because yes, like Cal is five points better than Stanford, but if they're not a hundred percent, um, and <laughs> if it's Tanner McKee, then I think this game, uh, I think, I think Stanford's a live dog and, and they have a chance to win this game, but we just don't know. I think it's, it's kind of hard to pick this one. I, I think, I, I think there were some Cal players that did test positive, I mean, I don't think it was, I mean, the big one, of course, would be like, you really need Garbers to make, to make the offense at least mildly functional. Um, I would just say like, I I don't think Garbers was one of them. I think he was exposed and because of the, the rules, um, you had to be held out. So I, I like Cal in this game. I'm going to, I'm going to take Cal, uh, you know, with the points. Okay. Kind of the same as last week. This is one game where I don't think like. I, I went two and one and I sh- like we should have added the Stanford game to, to that to make it three and one. But because we didn't know who the quarterback was, I just said, ah, we'll just scrap it anyway. I, it's right. kind of like this here. You know, if it's McKee, it makes a huge difference. If Cal has like legit COVID issues, it makes a huge difference. If both of those teams are on the field and it's McKee, I'm taking the points. 
but I totally see where you're coming from. And this is more just because it's a rivalry game. And I do think that Stanford would be able to move the ball um, through the air. But if, if they can't, I mean, like we see what happens, right? Like there's no question that if, if they have a bad quarterback, there's no way that this running attack is going to do anything to Cal. And, and I think Cal's run, run defense really isn't great, but Stanford's is just terrible. Yeah, Stanford's defense is awful. So I use just the the one unit that I have some faith in is this Cal defense coming into this game. So I have um I have no faith in the Stanford defense at all. Let's oh. put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got you. Um, where to next? Ooh, uh what should we do next? Let's do let's do Arizona State, Oregon State. Okay. Fascinating game. In Corvallis, Saturday night, 7.30, Pac-12 after dark. ASU is a three-point favorite on the road against Oregon State. And uh, two teams, Rob, that are going to try to run the football. Yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a heck of a matchup here. I mean, Baderink has this as a true toss-up. Um, just, you know, of like Oregon State with like 0.34 of a, like a third of a point at home um, and 52% win probability. Um, I think that the, the key here though, is that Oregon state's defense is really bad. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you know, like this, this, this ASU offense, they're not great. They're at 40 overall in beta rank. They really stink at drive efficiency. They're mostly a big play offense. They're at 13 and explosive drives. Um, but this Beaver defense, they struggle to contain big plays at number 89 and explosive drives. Um, and ASU has a huge run pass, but I mean, we saw it with Daniels last week. I mean, he certainly regressed from what we saw last year, he looks a little bit more like he was in his freshman campaign, except for the, or like other than the Oregon game where he looked fantastic getting the ball down the field. He's looked a lot more like what we saw 20 and effective rush for ASU 70 and effective pass, but Oregon's at like 84 and effective rush 92 and effective pass. Um, you know, I, I, or Oregon state, I think the, the, one of the keys, if you will, could be, I mean, there's, there's a big special teams advantage for the beefs, 24 in special teams, ASU's at 86. Um, but this, this Beavers run, this Beavers offense is good. They're at 14 overall, six in effective rush. ASU is at 42 in effective rush. I mean, I think the beefs can be able, we'll be able to run the football a little bit, but it is sort of a question like which team is able to make the other quarterback have to pass to win. Right. Like, <laughs> Um, cause that's where this game could actually get a little ugly is if one team, either because of turnovers or luck gets up early and the other team's having to throw the football to try to catch up. Cause that's where Oregon state's really run into trouble at times this year. Right. Is if they've had to try to throw to catch up, like they don't have the ability to do it. I don't think ASU does either. What What's Oregon state's rush defense. What's their number? 84. I mean, ASU's pretty good on defense at like containing big plays, but Oregon State's not a big play offense. They they they're they're an efficient offense. They're at number twelve in drive efficiency. ASU's at ninety eight in drive efficiency. You can drive on the Sun Devils. No wait, so the, the Sun Devils rush defense is eighty two. No, they're at forty two. Oh okay, oh gotcha. But I Oregon State's saying. at six in effective rush. That's I mean, this whole matchup is about who's who's going to be the best at running the football. Yeah. <laughs> well, here so here's the problem. I really want to take ASU, but there are a couple of things that make me really worried about that. The first is um, I think Jane Daniels throws at least one pick in this game. 
and that's a problem. Um, and the second is this is at night at Corvallis and like, that's where teams go to die that have any hope <laughs> any, any, like if there's any hope in your heart and you go to Corvallis and you play a fired up Oregon state team, it's a really difficult place to play. Those are the two things that make me worried. What makes me optimistic about Oregon state is, um, or about, about ASU is, is they can run the ball. Um, and they're going to get their points. And I do think their defense is good. And I actually, I know, I know that Oregon state is number six in beta rank. I know that every single announcer that has ever talked about Oregon state talks about how awesome their, their rush rush offense is. I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's number six. I think it's top 25. And I know that I'm sure there are people yelling, uh, but I've, I've watched this team a lot. I think they're pretty good at running the ball. I really, really want to take ASU, but this is such a tough road spot. I don't talk. You want to talk me out of that? I'm, I'm going with the beefs. I uh, just, I mean, it's going to be a really close game. I, uh, I, I'm going to lean a little bit on the model here. I think Oregon state's offense is good enough and it's, it's not a I mean, it's not that ASU has a really big run pass split, but you just against this Oregon state offense, you just rather have your lower number be against the run. The other thing and I think the special teams matters. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, the one thing that makes me, the, the other thing that gives me pause is Oregon state just got to a bowl. Like, yeah. can they keep that momentum? Like, that was a big hump, and they've made it. Can they keep it going against a pretty good team? It's going to be you know, it's a, a fascinating subplot here, though, is like ASU, because of the tiebreaker, is chasing Utah, right? They kick off after the Oregon-Utah game is over. Yeah. Um, so, like, I mean, in some ways, like, if Utah pulls off the win, like, Arizona State might show up motivated out of their mind. Um if Utah takes the loss, like, or do they slack a little bit? I feel so gross. I'm going to take Oregon state. Um, <laughs> ASU is the, ASU sh- is the better team. This is just a weird spot for them. And um, I think it's close. I, if you're going to bet this game, I'd wait for it because I think that line will pop up a little bit more as the week goes along. But uh, give me the beast plus three. And uh, I don't feel comfortable about it, but it just, it kind of just is what it is, man. That's a tough place to play and it's going to be cold. So I can just, um, that, that might be an ugly game and just pray that uh, if you're an Oregon state fan, just pray that chance Nolan doesn't throw a pick and, and, and this game will be pretty close. Okay. Yeah. The beeves really struggle playing from behind. I mean, we've seen it, you know, if they get, if they really, it feels like if they get in almost any kind of trouble, they, they really struggle to be able to come back. That's a good point. And Rashad White is a bad, bad man. Holy Moses, 32 carries, oh, yeah. 184 yards and two touchdowns against uh, the Huskies. Now, you can run against the Huskies, but still, that that is pretty pretty rough. Um, and I, that was such a big win for them to be able to come back and, and take care of business. But, uh, by the way, he had 53 yards receiving, too. That's insane. And, I mean, anything to say about Oregon's just waxing of Stanford? I mean, it's, it's a pretty standard beatdown of a team that doesn't have a defense. But did anything else pop for you? I mean, just that Nolan played pretty well, you know, Stanford's Stanford secondary is better, a lot better than their run defense. Yeah. If this is on a neutral field, I'm taking ASU. I like their defense. I think, I think Oregon state state's offense is, is pretty good, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's something that on a neutral field would get past the defense, but we're not a neutral field. We are in Corvallis. Let's move on, Rob. Let's do, all right, let's get this out of the way. Let's do Washington, Colorado. 
Um, <laughs> That's the one you want to get out of the oh, way. Oh my gosh. Um, all right. The, the fact that Colorado, like, did you watch this game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I smoked and didn't, you just you 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 do your thing first. You just you get your soapbox. Yeah, I was so I was like seven and two um, on on picks coming into this game, and uh, this was the the biggest bet that I had made of the week. I still ended up up, but um, and then I doubled down. So this was like I had like four units on this game, and right, it's like Colorado's moving the ball. They can run. We know ASU's defense or UCLA's defense isn't great. I'm like, we'll be able to run the ball. And, you know, maybe we get lucky with a Brendan Lewis touchdown pass, which we got, which we got. Um, there was about two drives that got stalled out where Colorado had to kick the field goal. UCLA is missing field goals. And you go into the half and it's 20 to 10. And I'm looking at this game going, all that Colorado has to do is not lose the second half by 28 points. It's <laughs> all you have to do in a half of football and the whatever adjustments were made. And like, I need to go back and watch this game, but I don't want to, because I'm not like a, <laughs> like a, a psychopath, but the fact that Colorado couldn't do anything at all against just a trash UCLA defense. I mean, like how bad of a coaching staff do you have to be? And I get this Colorado fans are just all nodding their head right now, but still like how bad, I mean, like just, the play calling on third and three or third and five, just that conservative. I mean, I kind of knew that was coming, but if it's coming against UCLA's rush defense, how on earth did this happen? The, the second half? I mean, they, they were outscored by 34 points. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, really too. I mean, it, we should also think of like, man, sometimes bad stuff just happens, right? Like, and sometimes it happens in a row. Um, <clears throat> You know, like I, I think UCLA had a terrible, terrible first quarter and that wasn't going to be sustainable. Like they got 10 in the second quarter and then, you know, the route was really on coming out of halftime, you know, like there was definitely, I mean, the, the, the kick return for a touchdown, that was a big oops. Yeah. No crap. <laughs> that, that one killed my, my 18, my, I had 18 that would have covered if it wasn't for that kick return. Yeah. But like, they just had, I mean, they all of a sudden just could not stop UCLA's rushing attack. UCLA put up 245 on the ground. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, they, I mean, Thompson Robinson really gashed him. Yeah. Um, but he had a good game. I mean, a pretty good game by his standards. I mean, it wasn't great from a completion percentage, you know, but like 257, you know, like on top of 99 yards on the ground, that's a pretty good game. The thing that made me so mad was I'm watching the game and, and I'm just like miserable. And all of a sudden there's like these bright, sunny pack 12 commercials where it's like, we like recycling and we're like, and I, I understand, like, I understand that like there are more important things than football. So like, you know, congrats on the pack 12 for, for kind of pushing, uh, pushing things forward. But I'm like, for the love of God, can you hire a coach that doesn't just crap the bed at halftime? Like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't care right now. I just, I just want Colorado to not suck. And it's just like commercial after commercial of like, I'm a student athlete and I love, like, I love everything. And I'm like, ah, like just win, just win. That's all I want right now. If it was the opposite, it would have been awesome. Like, I love this conference. This is the best thing. You know, like I'm like basically Bill Walton, you know, when when, like this, look at solar. Oh, it was just really, really frustrating. 
I mean, like the fact that they ended up where they did in that second half is just, I mean, really, if Colorado is able to score any kind of points, they easily cover, right? I mean, you're just, they just, just totally bombed offensively in the second half because we talked to like UCLA has got a decent offense, right? Like you can't expect Colorado. Like I hate it when people are like, you're doing people say things like your defense has played well to this point. Like it could just be that UCLA crapped the beds at this point. You can't expect that to carry forward. Right. Like, um, you know, like the, the, what really crushed them in the second half was, and I think really just, you know, like ground their defense down was their offense was just awful, awful in the second half against, like we talked about, I mean, one of the worst defenses in the pac 12 and the country. Oh yeah. You should be able to rush and you should be able to score one touchdown against this UCLA defense and a half. You, you know, it just feels like a bummer too. Cause like, I mean, like just watching, you know, some pro like Colorado and you just feel, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure the buffs, I'm interested. I'm interested to see what they look like this week. Let's put it that way. I mean, against a Washington team that also doesn't have a lot to play for right now. Yeah. Washington showed some signs of life, you know, when, when they played without their coach and now they're going to, they're going to do a second game here, 30 points against ASU's defense. That's not bad, Rob. And like we saw a little hand, Sam Heward sighting. Um, yeah. They were able to, to move the ball. And I think those things are encouraging when you go to a game against a defense that I think, I think, Colorado's defense is bad. I don't think it's a yeah. disaster, but it's a disaster when, again, you can't score points, which I've said before uh, on the show. And, you know, Dylan Morris is, did Dylan Morris things, 151, a, a touchdown and a pick, which is basically what he's going to do every game. I, I guess here's the question. If Washington is able to score 30 on ASU on the road. Against- a, that was a fluky 30, though. Okay. They only had two. I mean, they only had 266 yards. Oh Lord! They didn't rush for a hundred. Morris only threw for one seventy-one. ASU shot themselves in the. I mean, Washington jumped all over him early. Um, but like Washington, I think Washington was up fourteen, and they had like thirty-nine yards. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I mean, that's. I don't think. I mean, Washington the rest of the way. You know, over. I mean, over really like almost the next you know, like 50 minutes of football only put up, what is it? 16 points. And that's, that's where I like, I sort of like, you know, like everybody's like, Oh my gosh, like, look at this Washington offense. And I'm like, how far did they really go? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. What's the special team split here? Washington special teams are at 31. They've got pretty good special teams. I, I, you know, and then they've got, uh, Colorado special teams are at 59. Not a real big advantage either way. I mean, so Washington is a six and a half point favorite on the road. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the Huskies. It's a tough one. Like Baderank has this by more. I think one of the interesting, you you probably the most, I mean, Washington's offense is awful. 84 overall, you know, they don't run the ball particularly well. They're going against a decent buff secondary. They're at 41 an effective pass, but they, Washington had better be able to run the ball in this game because that Colorado defense is at 106 an effective rush. Um, what's just really interesting here, of course, is like everybody can run the ball on Washington. <laughs> and even if the defense is good, it's almost entirely carried by the pass defense, right? Oh. They're, at se- they're at 71 an effective rush. Colorado can't throw the ball worth a darn. 
they're at 114 in effective pass, but they're at 59 in effective rush. They're an okay rushing team. And we saw like Arizona run for 200. I mean, I think they're going to be able to run the ball in this game. I just think Colorado will make the mistakes that allow Washington to seal the deal. What's it at again? Six and a half. Oh God. Uh, I give me the Huskies with that. I think they're going to have good field position enough to Colorado's defense isn't great. Yeah. Normally I would totally take this, right? Like fire the coach team gets fired up. They just play with, with a lot more. um, Yeah. Like they're more relaxed. But the problem is Lake was suspended. They're without their offensive coordinator with a bad offense anyway. And like Bob Gregory is their like second is their um defensive DC, coordinator. Yeah. They don't have a lot there. That's what makes me a little worried. And I I, I don't want to overreact to watching Colorado, you know, like Wiley Coyote off of the cliff. Um, and you can run the ball against Washington. Oh, that's tough. I it just, is though. I mean, it is tough too because I mean, like, I guess the question too is with this, like, what do what should we even expect from? And uh, I mean, they did that QB rotation. I mean, Morris isn't great, but I don't know. Let the kid figure it out for what you got. You know, like, I feel like the rotation at this point, it's like with USC, like, why are you even doing this at this point? <laughs> Who's the interim? Is it Gregory? It is. You know, what was interesting, though, is uh, Washington came out of the two high safety look a little bit against ASU. Um, they were in single high for points of that game, at least like. I mean, they definitely still had a safety, you know, two two safeties, but you could see one of them was actually clearly visible, <laughs> <laughs> you know, within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Um, now for, uh, you know, for other defenses that, you know, may not be anything, but for, for Washington, that's a, a, a break with tradition to try to control um, that ASU run game. Yeah. Give, give me Washington. I think they just and like this is not which it sounds weird because I, mean, I get I get both of these teams I understand but fire your coach they're gonna come out I think they're gonna play well they they have they have the better talent it's just yeah and they just haven't been playing up to it and I understand that that can be I mean that's USC the last seventeen years but uh, I do think in this particular game that they'll be able to to take care of business um, give me the six and a half I'm not betting that one because I think it's gonna be it's what is Colorado's offense even? I mean, what are the conversations like around that right now? I mean, there's almost no way Chiaverini survives this. Yeah. And I think that the writing's got to be on the wall. Okay. All right. We have a couple more games to cover. Let's get to them right after this. All right, Rob, we're back. Let's do it. Let's do the big game here. Oregon. And this is what I thought. This is what I thought the line was going to be. Oregon is a three point underdog on the road against Utah, Rob. Oregon taking care of business against Washington State. I that th- that game was impressive. I thought they came out and this was a game they totally could have lost. Um they didn't cave on Thibodeau like every third down they needed him. Holy goodness. I mean, he right like was there any I, I understand that Oregon scored a lot of points. He was the most important player on on the field, right? Yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, you know, like he he and the pass rush really help out that that defense, you know, because like they do struggle in their run fit uh, a little bit, um, and then their secondary hasn't been great, um, other than like they piled up a bunch of interceptions, right? Yeah, but 
the fact that they are able to fairly consistently get pressure on the quarterback really helps out. What is, you know, honestly not a great defense. Now, the other thing that really stood out for me in this game was uh, Byron Cardwell, who uh, rushed for almost 100 yards and two touchdowns. But there was two moments, and I get it, right? Anthony Brown had 123 and a touchdown, and and, uh, Die Troy Die um, did what he always does. But Cardwell, at a couple moments, just slowed. It's it's like it's when you take a, a a video on your iPhone and you go slow motion, he kind of just slowed down and waited for the play to, and then boom, he just hit the, yeah. I mean, it was, he did that twice and it was really freaking impressive. Now we'll, we'll see if he can do it again, but like, I just, it was really fun to watch him. And it was also sad because I had, um, uh, Washington state, <laughs> but, uh, but I just thought that you don't often see that somebody that has that type of patience right out of the gate. And, uh, and that was pretty fun to watch him uh, take care of business. With that said, Rob, they did give up 300 yards to Washington state, uh, including yep. two picks, right? So you assume Delora takes care of the ball, probably gets to 350. Borgie's numbers were a little bit misleading here because he had a couple big plays where he was able to right. kind of go down the sideline. And, um, and I think one of them was called back. They weren't able to rush to the ball particularly well. He got about a hundred yards, but I don't know. Like, what did you think about Oregon's performance? No, I mean, I thought they really met expectations, you know, in this game, which was good for them, right? Like they've kind of scuffled along at large parts of the season, right? The offense has really been putting it together uh, and they did it. I mean, like they, and I, you know, we sometimes watch programs and teams really, uh, it feels like they don't do enough scouting almost like, or they show up and they're just going to do whatever they feel like they're going to do whatever they want. But like Oregon definitely runs the football to begin with, but you know, the scouting report on this Washington state team is they're not great at stopping the run. So, you know, Oregon showed up and just ran the ball right at him and was really successful at it. Um, so it's, it was a good, I think it was a good performance for them. Like they need, they did exactly what they needed to do in this game against a, a pretty game Washington state, you know, team. Yeah. You know, on the other side, Utah 38, Arizona 29. And are you worried a little bit that Plummer, you know, had about 300 and or about 280 yards against Utah's defense? I mean, Utah doesn't have a great defense. Like that's a <laughs> <laughs> Now that includes rushing to be fair, you know, but but still, yeah, go ahead. Right. I mean, Plummer had I mean, I mean, Plummer basically and uh you know, credit to the guy like he 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 has figured out like how to, I mean, survive behind a terrible offensive line. Barely. So I was, I was genuinely worried whether he was going to make it through the whole game, this game. Um, but he did. And look, I mean, like uh, Utah's defense right now, you know, they come into this game. They're, 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 they grade out better than Oregon's defense, but they're at 31 overall. Um, you know, like you can put together drives against them. They're they're and they're, you know, I think the real watch out for them is, is really the defensive line, right? Like it's just not where it's been for them in years past. And that I think affects both the run and the pass. I do think they have excellent linebacker. I mean, just excellent linebackers, um, you know, and, and I, and, but I, you know, I think that, and really too, I mean, this final score for Utah is affected by that punt block TV TD, you know, that really, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot that, that. that pushes it a little closer, 
but I mean, like they, I thought rising did a really good job against, you know, in Arizona, I mean, like, you know, throwing for two ninety four, um, you know, in the two TDs, I mean, Arizona has, uh, had one of their corners out and they were able to take advantage of that. Um, they were able to run the ball effectively in this game, getting up to 174 overall, you know, rushing the ball. So, I mean, just, uh, I mean, I, th- I thought they had a, I mean, overall a good performance, but I don't think that they would have, I mean, this Utah team, I mean, without the punt block, they still don't cover. Right. I mean, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I th- like, again, like I thought it was a really good performance for them. I thought offensively they did what they needed to do. You know, you do have some questions. I mean, in the same way that really, I think you, you know, we, <laughs> we did with Oregon and Arizona, right? You're like, what is going on here? Like, why are you, you know, then you, you start to sort of realize like that what you saw from Oregon against Ohio state, you know, like is carrying over, right? Like against lesser competition too. I thought, I thought it was interesting that Plummer threw the ball 33 times in this game. Um, and lived. Yeah, and lived. Oh, I mean, and we'll talk about Arizona's line. It is a disaster. Really not anything on the ground to Utah's credit, and you're absolutely right. Like, those linebackers, like Lloyd and Sewell, th- those guys just, man, play after play, where Arizona right. could have broken one for, it wouldn't have been a touchdown, but it would have been like 10 or 15 yards, and bang! Like, and they didn't just tackle. It's just like, your face is in the ground. I mean, it is very impressive. You know, Utah comes into this game with the, I mean, they, they basically have won the South. They, there's still a chance that they lose it. And yet another matchup with Oregon. Um, they're three point favorite at home. I mean, that place is going to be rocking, but I think this really does cam- come down to the numbers because um, I think both teams are going to be well coached. They're going to be uh, up for the game. I mean, may- maybe not in like <laughs> clock management stuff, uh, cough, cough, uh, you know, Oregon staff, but I, I do think that both teams are going to be prepared and it seems like Oregon and big games tends to really show up big. Um, so what, what do the numbers say in this one? I mean, Bannerang's got it right about the same. I've got it about four, you know, with, uh, with, uh, the home field advantage for the Utes. This is a really, really, into, God, I mean, like this feels like, and I've kind of been alluding to this. It, what I want, what I'm concerned about is like the, the, the shades of 2019, right? When <laughs> Vegas and all the models, including beta rank were on the Utes coming into the PAC 12 title game. And then in the game, the Utes got dominated on the offense. Like their offensive line got dominated by the ducks. Their defensive line got dominated by the ducks. Um, and then that also, that was a problem against Texas too. And so I worry because Utah's really been waxing bad PAC 12 teams. <laughs> for the most part, right? Like yeah. really their best win is ASU. Um, I just, I, I mean, they're going to get a real test here. And I, I, what I'm concerned about is like that same sort of, you know, like it is hard. Like if you don't get really good competition, a lot of really good competition, you can end up like the model and the, you know, the models in Vegas are going to have a hard time differentiating good and very good. Yeah. Um, and that's my concern here. Cause like, I don't think Oregon's got a great defense. I mean, we've, we've seen that a bunch. Um, I do feel like that, you know, Cristobal can absolutely get his guys up for a big game, but anyway, so the, the, this is a competition of, you know, or like both teams have offenses that are really rounded into form rising has made a huge difference. This is the number five offense in beta rank for the Utes. They are not a terribly efficient offense. They're at 50 in drive efficiency. They are number three in explosive drives. They get huh. hit a lot of big plays. Wow. Um, 
How's Oregon Number stopping two. those? So this is what's really interesting is like you could drive against the Ducks. They're at 96 in drive efficiency, but they're pretty good at containing big plays. Number 18 in explosive drives. So that's a real sort of strength on strength matchup there. Um, but like you, you know, Oregon's 38 in effective rush, 52 in effective pass. Now what's interesting though, because both teams really prefer to pound the rock. Uh, the Utes are number four in effective rush currently, 35 in effective pass. I mean, what's what I think, and we've seen this with McLeod at Arizona and Thompson Robinson at UCLA, Delora at Washington State. If you have a QB that can buy time and move his feet against the pass rush, that's that that helps, right? Like, because this Oregon secondary can't cover if the if the QB can buy himself some time against the pass rush, um, and that's where I think Rising is a real weapon in this game. Um, you know, coming in. Um, and there's on the, and then on the other side, and oddly enough, like Oregon's got a pretty big special teams advantage in this game, 17 to 52. Um, but Oregon's offense has been rounding into form. They're number 11 overall. They're also a very explosive offense. Number five in explosive drives. They're number three in effective rush. They're a really good <laughs> rushing offense on their own. But they're 53 in effective pass. Brown is not as good of a passer as Rising is. Um, and that, you know, like this Utah defense is at 31. They're also like they're a mirror image of this this Oregon team in a lot of ways. They struggle at drive efficiency, number 85 in drive efficiency. You can drive against the Utes, but they don't give up big plays. They're at 15 in explosive drives. So that's like, this is going to be, this is going to, and they don't have a really big run pass split. There are 37 and effective rush 40 and effective pass. I don't think this is some like, I mean, that's a, like, you know, Utah has a middle of the road power five defense and a, what has turned into a very good offense. Oregon has a, has a really good offense too. And a, you know, kind of on the wrong side of the middle of the road defense. Um, but you flip it and you're like, gosh, there's just so much ta- I mean, like you can always talk yourself into Oregon's talent. I do just wonder because like this Utah offensive line was a problem in the first couple of games. We haven't really seen them against really top quality competition in a while. I mean, really that ASU game is the only one they can really hang their hat on. And that ASU team is, is, is not great against the run, you know, cause their best, their best tat nose tackles injured. I don't know. Like, I just, I, like, I'm probably going to go with the Utes, but it's tough. I mean, like, I really have some hesitation with that. Give me the Utes. Friggin', I don't care. Let's do this. Um, do it? Like, it's yeah. all in? I, well, here, here's, here's why. We have been talking on this show about not being big, huge believers in Oregon. Right? Like, Oregon gives up points. Oregon's defense gives up points. Um, they continue to give up points. And they're going to do it. I mean, the, the over-under on this game is 59. So like Vegas yeah. thinks that Utah is going to score. That is that is not oh we think Utah is going to give up a gazillion points to Oregon. Um, I I think they're going to be able to to move the ball and score. I like their linebackers. I don't trust Anthony Brown to throw the ball out. I mean like he if if Oregon wins he's going to do ex- like ba- like just barely what he needs to do right like just crossing that finish line with his nose and getting them over the hump. If you flip that, Cam Wright like if Utah wins. It's, it could be for a number of reasons. Cam Bryson could be awesome through the air or with his yeah. feet. Um, or Utah is going to be able to to run the ball and then Cam. Like, I just trust Utah's unit, the, the full, complete team, better than I trust Oregon. And 
I hope that they meet again in the Pac-12 championship. Uh, this is also at home. It's at altitude. That place is going to be crazy. I do give Oregon a tremendous amount of credit because they do show up for big games. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon wins this game. But I'm going to take the Utes because um, I know what happened two years ago, but that was a while ago. And I just think yeah. that this team can move the ball. And the defense that we saw with Oregon two years ago is not the defense we see here. The one thing that no, gave that me- was a that was a really, really good Oregon defense. This is not at all. Yeah. Hot damn. That, that defense was was good. And boy, did they just beat the tar out of Utah. Um, in this particular case, the only thing that gives me pause is Thibodeau and that pass rush. It's not just him like the, the line is good. Uh, yeah. And like you said, it, it could be a, a problem, but I just think that the offense that we have now is better than the offense we saw two years ago also. So I just give me the yeah. Utes. I'll, I'll lay the three. And if Oregon wins, then God bless them. Like this is a, this is a big game and a big time environment. Um, and I hope, I hope people watch this because if they win this game, like when we're talking about the college football playoff, this is like exhibit B right for Oregon to put on that you know, the little trophy room, like, Hey, we have, we have Ohio state and now we have Utah on the road, both of them. Uh, that'd be a huge win for them. I mean, it's just, it's truly crazy. Cause like you think of like Oregon, the, just, you get the win in Columbus, Ohio state really starts to round into some really good form, but Oregon by nature of having to win over them. And the fact that Alabama is probably going to take a second loss in the SEC championship game, like Oregon could slot themselves into the number two spot in the playoff. And yet, like, and yet they, they might like, they have two matches up matchups against the Utes, And that's a real, I mean, likely two matchups. That's a real hard team to beat twice. Yeah. Right. Like, um, and any law, another loss from the ducks and they're cooked. Yeah. They really got to um, be focused. And, but the, the thing that makes me optimistic about them was, they right that that Washington State game was totally a look ahead game, and they and they took care of business and won that game handily. So, all right, we got two more here. Let's do let's do UCLA, who is a three point favorite on the road against USC. Rob, I'm not a huge <laughs> UCLA like backer, but <laughs> is, is this stupid? Like, what is like <laughs> this line looks stupid to me? Are we are we crazy? Like, what is going? Like, I don't I don't love this line. I mean, I get the like <clears throat> that you you uh, you see USC is a dysfunctional mess, but it's a dysfunctional you know, so, mess mess coming off a of bye, right? <laughs> and, and like Beta Rank has USC at home with basically a one point seven eight favorite. I mean, like as a slight favorite because they're at home. I mean, but these teams like UCLA is fifty eight and Beta Rank USC is fifty nine. <laughs> so it's a, it's a close one. Um, I, I just, I, I, I like, I don't know that I, I, I don't know that I really like either of these teams in this that much, you know, just something to watch out for is, I mean, you, you, we, you used to say like, Oh, UCLA's defense, like you could throw against them. That's true. You can also run against them as the season has gone on. Teams have piled up rushing yards against them. They're at 85 and effective rush, 85 and effective pass. I mean, USC is gonna, I mean, I guess my concern with USC is, is what's baked into some of the numbers is still some Drake London effect. And I really worry about what this offense is without him. I also don't like the QB rotation. And I think if they stick with that, they're going to lose this game. UCLA has an awful rush defense, but USC can't run the ball. UCLA has a bad secondary, but 
who's going to catch the ball outside of right. Drake London now that he's injured and, and they're rotating things. If you flip it around, like I, I think, I mean, three, I get it. It's a rivalry game, but UCLA is going to run the ball all over USC. Like just up I mean, down. This is what's interesting is like they're UCLA USC's defense is not good. They're awful, but they've got, they've got a pretty good run pass split and they're at 66 in effective rush versus 106 in effective pass. Oh, okay. Now you, uh, UCLA is at 33 overall in beta rank offensively. They're at 15 in effective rush. So they still have a sizable advantage over 66, <laughs> but <laughs> I just like, if there's one thing that this USC defense is kind of good at, it's like, uh, you know, being, you know, it is against the run everything. I mean, they're just, I mean, I don't think that that's going to make a huge difference in this game. You know, even with the the return TD last week, UCLA's special teams are only at 61, USC's at 27. I mean, I this is a really hard one to want to pick because in theory, USC's at home. You do expect them to sort of at least get up for this game, but I don't know, man. Like this, the, the defense has been horrendous. The offense just feels sclerotic with what we're doing with this QB rotation nonsense. This might be a game where I'm going to look for some alternate lines where if I can get UCLA by a touchdown and get like plus 200, I might take it because this is, I think UCLA just beats the doors off of USC in this game. I think USC is done. It is a rivalry game, but man, that coaching staff is a mess. Their best player is out. UCLA strength is, um, is a weakness that one of many for USC I don't know. I like if, if you were to, I mean, I probably would have put this at seven and seven and a half. If I would have guessed it before the line came out. Cause I saw the line before I was able to kind of think through it. I got UCLA. I, I, I don't think this is particularly close. I hope it is. I mean, it could be a cool game, you know, rivalry game. And you know, see the one thing that gives me pause is <laughs> the over under is 65 and a half. Woo. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, two, two, two decent offenses and very, very bad defenses. Um, no, I mean, I, I look, I, I mean, I think they're, I think the Trojans are going to be able to throw the ball and get, you know, get what they want. They may even be able to run the ball against UCLA, um, which is saying something, <laughs> but the, uh, I just, I think with that, I think the model still has Drake London baked in. It would have benefited from getting to see USC against Cal without London. Uh, unfortunately we don't get to see that before this game. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with UCLA. That might be my only play this week is UCLA. Cause I think the rest of these lines, I mean, Washington could beat the doors off Colorado, but like, you know, we, we talked about their coaching problems. We don't know Cal's, you know, we don't know if Cal is healthy. Um, Oregon, Utah, Oregon shows up big. That line, the, the three line Oregon state at home is that's always an issue. This might be this might be really the only good line, but I'm curious what you think about Arizona Washington State here, Rob. Last game this is on Friday. Um, Arizona uh, is a 14 point underdog on the road at the Palouse. It's going to be cold, and uh, Arizona has been playing well. But like when we did our trap game, like we were talking about how this is a game that Arizona was like built to lose. Like a Friday night, you know, they have the like they they just. Arizona does not show up well in cold weather on a big night against a random team. Um, they they do well at home against teams that like are are kind of faltering here. And I don't know, I don't know what the what like what, what does Baderink have the spread at? Because I thought fourteen was fair. Uh, Baderink has it at seventeen. 
you know, like, and, and most of that is really built around that Washington state has a decent offense they're at 58 overall. Um, they're more explosive than anything else. It'll be interesting though, because like Arizona's defense, they're, they're kind of shaken out to be one of those ones. Like you can drive against them. They will make mistakes and end up like prolonging drives. But so they're at 117 in drive efficiency. That's really killing them. But 57 in explosive drives, 32 in play efficiency, and 36 in negative drives. They're they're getting better underneath the hood. Um, they just still give up a lot of points because of mistakes. Yeah. Um, and that's somewhat true of the offense too, which is at 105 in beta rank. They're awful at drive efficiency. Um, they're at number 90 in explosive drives though, 74 in play efficiency, 83 in negative drives. Uh, but I think what'll be interesting though, is like the cats can, I mean, have shown at times an ability to run the ball against bad run defenses. Washington state's defense is at 25, but they have a pretty big run pass, but we talked about this with the Oregon game, 58 in effective rush, 13 in effective pass. You know, I, 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 I think Arizona will be able to run the football a bit. I mean, I I don't like, I mean, what I don't like the idea of if you're like, if, if things are going badly is if plumbers having to throw a lot, um, because I do think that Dickert really mixes in some, some really interesting smart blitzes <laughs> that I think Arizona's line's going to struggle with. I, I hear you on the rush defense, but I don't think Arizona can run the ball well. I mean, they, they've in a couple of games, they've been decent, but I mean, is there any running back that they have where you're like, hot damn, that guy touched the ball. <laughs> I don't think it's, I don't think it's the backs. I think that they have one of the worst offensive lines. Oh yeah. That that's true. I mean, what, and by the way, what a disaster. I mean, it is just uh, yeah. the worst. It's, it's the worst by far in the league and it's not close. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think it's close. I, I'm with you. I think the defense is interesting. And they are better in the backfield than they've have been in the past, probably because they blitz like every time, but they do exactly what you said, where they'll give up a three yard run. They'll give up a two yard run. They'll give up a five yard pass. And then bang, somebody's gone for 50 yards. You're like, damn it. You know, like that just, that's that team this year where they'll hold the line and then they make a stupid mistake. And the team goes, I I think this is, I think they're in real trouble in this game. It's going to be very cold. I think that Delora is going to carve up this defense. And the thing to keep in mind for Washington State, not particularly in this game, and I wish I would have done it, really kicking myself over this, is Washington State is excellent in the first half. And if you go back, take a look at like the last five games. They, they absolutely covered in the first half. And then the second half, they start to wear out because there's just not the depth on this team. And that happened against Oregon. It happened against Arizona state. It happened against BYU and Stanford. I want to go back and look at some of the other teams. I don't think Arizona wears them out. I think Arizona is not good enough to wear this defense out, which, which really makes me think that they might win this game by like 20 points. I, yeah. I mean, here's the thing with this Arizona squad though, is like they've managed to be game in closer. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to take the cats here. Okay. Taking taking plumber, I don't think plumber I don't think on Washington the road. State. Yeah, I don't think Washington State is so impressed. Like, I think that the play calling is in like is is good, and the scheme is good for Arizona. I think that they'll they get it enough that it's like I think that they're fine. I mean, like Utah wore them down over the game, right? Like, and that's happened to them a bunch. You know, I mean, like I I I just think fourteen. 
14 may be about right. I mean, Bader has got it at 17. I just think, I mean, this, I think it's also true in this game that like, if, if Washington state gets a big watch out, cause I think Arizona is going to put up points in garbage time. Oh yeah. That could be a problem. I think, I think, I don't know. I mean, like, I just, I like Arizona has been on a roll this l- lately against the spread. <laughs> like, oh yeah. It's been great. <laughs> like, it's been awesome. like, not, not winning games, but versus expectations, they've been doing well. Uh, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the spread is when they play ASU, by the way, like not enough talked about Arizona punching uh, a player in the dick. Like <laughs> that happened yeah. and then it just, it just, the ship kind of floated away quietly. Uh, it, it wasn't just a punch. It was like a wind up and then the pitch <laughs> like, it was, yeah. and, like, and his eyes were locked in like in a, Oh, the squid games were like that. The target is looking around. Like, he's just uh, locked in bang, hit it up. Um, I thought that was fascinating. R- Rob, you, you mentioned we had, we had a, a question from a listener. Yeah. You want, you want to tackle that before we sign off here? Yeah. I mean, a listener just asked our thoughts on how sermon was doing at Cal as the defensive coordinator. Um, you know, the results seem better than expected thus far. I mean, Sermon sort of notoriously was was really bad as the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State and Louisville. I didn't think it was a great move when he was made the DC at Cal. Uh, thus far, the results, as we talked about a little bit, are better than expected, right? I mean, like, I think we have to, at this point, I will, I, I mean, I want to see more data on it. I want to see it, you know, be consistent, but in the next season, uh, but thus far the results aren't bad. I mean, Cal's got a top 25 defense. Yeah. And thank you for the question, Kevin. We appreciate it. By the way, if you want to send any other questions to the podcast, you can at 12 pack radio, one, two PAC radio, Rob, that is it for now. Uh, where can people find beta rank, which is just spitting hot fire. Uh, once again, it took a little, like the like two weeks longer than normal, but, but hot damn, it is, um, it is, it is rolling where, where can people find all that stuff? Uh, you can find it all at sharpcollegefootball.com um, uh, or uh, at sharpcollegefootball on the Twitter machine. Um, and then I'm switching the Saturday six up. I'm not getting up. Uh, there's there's two things about it. One is I get more views and there's more um, discussion around that if I do it earlier in the week. And two, like I just have better energy doing it at night than like getting up at 530 in the morning. So it's already up. The Saturday six is already up on our YouTube channel at Sharp College Football. Look at that. Get there get there yeah i know it, it's great for me because i'm on the west coast so i'd like wake up and you know you can you can uh, tune it in while i'm uh getting ready for for breakfast and stuff but for those on the east coast particularly those recording at five in the morning uh kind of an issue yeah. so um all right everybody well thanks for tuning in and we will catch everybody one more week by the way i mean we'll, we'll do bowl games and all that stuff but one more week of regular season college football savor it watch every minute of it we'll catch you next week